Hello, this is Pastor Sam Velez, and I'm so glad that you're joining us for our service. We hope you enjoy this message today, that it blesses your life and your families. We love you. In dominion and authority as a believer. And just to let you know that when, when Jesus, when God delivered us from the grip of Satan, and, 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 and when God took us and he restored us through Jesus Christ, God opened up the door for us to walk in dominion. Just to let you know, just because, you know, Adam blew it the first time, you, you would think like, oh, God probably thinks like, I can't, I can't trust humans with dominion because they, they, they don't understand or they don't care about it. But can I just encourage you with this, that God believes in you more than you trust in him. And can I tell you something that the enemy, the devil, he's powerful, but he's not all powerful. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 10. This is what Jesus said. He said, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Then he says, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. He's telling people, I've given you authority. I've given you authority. I saw Satan fall. And he's not powerful. In fact, the Bible tells me and you, if you keep reading, that God has given us authority as Christians. We have authority over Satan through Jesus Christ. Amen? That should excite some of you to know that you're on the winning side. That should excite you and build your faith to know that when the enemy wants to come and disrupt you and discourage you and bring fear into your life, you have an authority on the inside of you that surpasses him. He's not that big and he's not that great. We serve a big God. And because we serve a big God, we walk in the authority of God. And we got a faith to overcome things. He's not that powerful. In fact, you have to understand this. That because of Jesus Christ, yes, Satan has power and sin has power over humanity. But because we carry authority, we carry that through the righteousness and grace of God. In fact, Paul says this in Romans chapter 5 verse 17. He writes it like this. He says, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through one man, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. How many of y'all are excited that we have triumph? We triumph over that. When you are in Christ, you triumph over sin and death through Jesus Christ. And sometimes we forget We forget who we are in Christ. And when we forget who we are in Christ, that's when we start dealing with issues and storms and we feel like we're failing and we feel like we can't do it anymore. And we feel like, man, God, where are you? We forget that because we have Christ, we are overcomers in Jesus' name. Overcomers. But here's the thing about dominion. Dominion needs discipline. Dominion needs discipline. That's the title of my message today. Dominion needs discipline. And if you don't know what discipline is, discipline is what we, discipline is what brings consistency to our life. I'll never forget, I was a freshman in college. If you don't know the story, I've said it millions of times, but if you forgot, if you forgot, when I was a freshman in college, I went to school in Dallas and um, I played soccer for my freshman year of college. I played soccer. I didn't play soccer because I was good. I played soccer because they needed more players. I was athletic enough to play defense. And uh, I played, uh, I don't know if you know soccer terms, but I played like stopper and there's stopper and sweeper. There's just whatever. Anyways. Uh, and so 
in my freshman year of college, I was introduced to soccer and the, the techniques and how to, I didn't even know that there was a way to kick the ball. I just would kick it like however. But there was a certain way to do certain things. I didn't know all that. So my freshman year was an eye-opener into soccer. And now I love soccer. I watch soccer. Uh, I'm a big Manchester United fan. And if you don't care, it's okay. I care. But um, uh, I grew that. But I remember my freshman year, one of the things that the coach made us do was he made us cut soda off of our life. We couldn't have soda during the soccer season. And as an 18, you might as well told me, you, you're, you're taking my heart away, you, you know, you hate me. As an 18-year-old, I felt like that because I loved Dr. Pepper. I loved Dr. Pepper. Not everybody likes Dr. Pepper. Some people think it tastes like medicine, whatever. But I loved, doc- I drank Dr. Pepper like every day. I would drink it during lunch. I would drink it at dinner. I, I, I loved soda. So the moment they told us, hey, during the season, you can't drink soda. You can drink water. You can drink a tea. But you can't have soda. It, it shocked me. It rocked my world. Because I was like, how am I going to do it? So I thought to myself, you know what? It's not, like, it's not like the coaches are with me 24-7. They don't live with me. They don't walk me to class. They're, they're not in my car. So I, what I did was like, all right, well... I was like, yes, coach, whatever. And I would go to the school, and I would go to lunch in the cafeteria, and I would start eating, and I would get a Dr. Pepper from the, from the fountain. Like, all the fountain drinks were there. I would get Dr. Pepper. And I remember that I, I, I didn't realize that the people in the soccer team, they took it serious. So the captain caught me one time. And the captain caught me. He told me, hey, dude, what are you doing? You can't drink soda. And I was like, oh, like, you know, I was trying to make it up. Because he was, oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. I'm new to soccer. You know, making some sort of excuse. I remember the next day when we had practice, the coach found out and they made me run until I could not anymore. And they said, I hope you remember that this is a reminder that you can't have soda. They made me run until I felt like I could puke. All practice, I was running, I was running, I was running. I mean, let me tell you something. I was in the best shape of my life when I was 18, but uh, I was running, I was running because they wanted to, for me to be disciplined enough to where I don't have to rely on soda to get my day going. I could rely on water. I could, I could be healthier. I could eat healthier. I can be in shape, and it'll make a difference. And I used to think that was dumb, but in reality, it did make a difference. And for, for years, I stopped drinking soda. Yesterday was the first time I had a Dr. Pepper at a friend's house in a long time. He tempted me, and I did it. And, um, and I felt it later, because I don't drink. I, because of what my coach did, and he put that discipline in me, I don't drink soda. If I drink a soda, it's a Coke Zero or a Diet Dr. Pepper. I don't do Diet Coke. It tastes terrible. And uh, I, I, I just don't have a taste for soda anymore like that. But because my coach instilled the discipline in me to not drink soda because soda is not good for you. And I created that discipline in my life. And the same thing comes with dominion. Dominion needs discipline because though Jesus gives us the victory... It is our responsibility to stay in victory. Jesus will give you the victory over certain things, over certain powers, over certain addictions. Jesus will give you that victory, but it is your responsibility to continue to walk in it. And that requires discipline. It requires you cutting things out. It requires you making decisions in your life that will bring a blessing upon your life.
that will give you a better outlook, that will build your faith. Because if you are not disciplining God, you will fall every single time. You, when, when you hit the tough times, you won't be able to withstand it. When you go through trials, you won't be able to handle it. And so dominion requires discipline. The Israelites, when they received the promised land, everything that the Israelites ever received in God, whatever they possessed, they fought for. They didn't get it with wishful thinking. They didn't get it hoping. They, they got it because they fought for it. Now, I said that for men, for us men, that the things that are most important are worth fighting for. Your marriage, you have to fight for it. Your job, you fight for it. Your finances, you fight for it. Anything that you receive has to have something from you fighting for it. In dominion, it's the same thing. It's fighting for it. It's disciplining your life so that you don't go backwards. So that you can build upon what God's done already. So that's why I titled it, Dominion Needs Discipline. If you're taking notes, number one, if we're going to learn to live disciplined lives, we need a disciplined heart. A disciplined heart. We need to learn to discipline, because here's the thing. In other words, we need to live to please the Lord, not our selfish desires. Because if we're not careful, we'll flip it. I will live to please my selfish desires, and then I'll think about God later. I'll live to, to live and please my impulses, and then I'll think about God later. But if we flip the script, if we're going to live in dominion, I must learn to live to please the Lord. And I need a disciplined heart. Because the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, Jeremiah says this. It says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? In other words, church, you want a new heart and you want a disciplined heart, you need open heart surgery. You need God to come in and submit your heart to him. You need to be able to say, God, I'm submitting. If I'm going to live disciplined, then that means I got to submit myself to you. My heart's desires have to be submitted to you. What my heart longs for has to be submitted to you. David said one of the greatest prayers that I read all the time because it, it, it reminds me that I need this for my life. David said in, in the book of Psalms, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That was David's prayer to God. One more time, put it verse 23. David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. See, when we pray to God, a lot of times we're asking God for things. And it's not wrong to ask God for things. But when do we ever set time to say, God, what is there in me that's offending you? And if there is something, make me see it. Bring it to light. David wanted to please God. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. So his desire was, God, search me. Point out anything in my life that offends you. Is it what I'm saying? Are there actions that I'm doing? Whatever it is, point it out because I want to please you. Oh, church, if we would pray like that, what a difference it would make in our life. God, what is it 
in my life? Lord, what, what am I doing that I'm not even noticing? Because sometimes we do things that we don't even notice that we're doing them until God brings it to light and then we realize it. And we're like, man, you know what? I need to stop this. You know what? I need to cut this out. You know what? I've been thinking like this. You know what? I've been allowing whatever in my heart that shouldn't be there, jealousy, bitterness, whatever it is, I've been allowing that and it's been dealing with me. But Lord, point it out so that I can do something about it. I can do something about it. But to have a disciplined heart is to please the Lord. And to please the Lord is to ask God, God, what is it that I'm doing? Instead of always pointing God, saying, God, what is it you're not doing in my life? There's so many times we point back the finger and say, God, you're not doing this. You're not doing this. God, I'm believing for this. When is this coming? And we all, it's almost like we're just arguing to God and we're telling God stuff and saying, God, what is, it? what is it in me? Because maybe there's things in you that are putting a block into what God wants to do in your life. And until you surrender that to him, you'll never experience the freedom that you're looking for. So we need to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, convict me. That's what Holy Spirit's for. It's not just for tongues. It's also to bring conviction to your life. Holy Spirit, convict me. Let me feel a conviction in me that says, you know what? This needs to stop. This, need, this really needs to stop. So not only do you need a disciplined heart, you also need a disciplined habit. You need disciplined habits. Disciplined habits. Habits, we understand. Habits, people say that, they say that a habit is started after 21 days of doing the same thing. And so every one of us, we have different habits. You, 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 I don't know, you have a habit of looking at yourself three times in the mirror and you just, you stop, you know, whatever you ha- you, we have different habits, but there's also godly habits that we can create in our life. If you want to discipline dominion, you need discipline habits because if you don't have disciplined habits, your life will be all over the place. But when you have a disciplined habit unto the Lord, it'll be second nature to you. It's like brushing your teeth. You don't have to think about it. You already know when I go to sleep, when I wake up, I need to brush my teeth because nobody comes to church without brushing their teeth. And if you do, we're going to pray for you, cast the devil out of you, and next time you'll be better. At least gum, something. But it's second nature to us. We don't got to think about it. You already know. You already know, hey, I got to brush my teeth. You already know, hey, I got to put deodorant. You know, you already know those things. It's second nature because you developed the habit. When it was time to put on deodorant, they started telling, hey, you need to start putting deodorant. You know, you were developing all these things because somebody was helping you develop a habit. It's the same thing with the Lord. It's developing healthy habits. It's developing daily habits. The Bible says this in the book of uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So every day you need to create daily habits, starting with the Holy Spirit, guiding your life to build a habit that doesn't go back to your sinful nature. If you're not careful, If you don't develop spiritual habits in your life, you will go back to your sinful nature. You will go back to what craves, what's against God. You will crave things that God said don't crave. 
You will do things that God said, don't go back and do it. I set you free from that. Don't go back there. I set you free from that. Don't start that again. If you don't create that, you will go back. You'll be doing what your sinful nature craves. When we did our spirit, soul, and body series, I told you, I said our flesh and our spirit, they're at war all the time. They're at war. Our, our flesh and our spirit, they're at war. Because our spirit on the inside wants to please the Lord and do what is right. It is our flesh that wants to do the opposite. It's, the opposite. it's like the cartoons. It's the devil and the you know, angel. They're all they're, they're talking in your ear. It's the same thing. They're constantly battling. And if you're not careful and you don't create daily habits with the Holy Spirit leading you, you will always fall to the sinful cravings. You always fall. You always feel like, man, Pastor Sam, if I feel like I'm taking two steps forward and then three steps back. I feel like, man, I, I, I'm, I'm doing really good, and then I go back to this. Because there was a habit, a spiritual discipline that, that was not developed enough. But when you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you, it will help you not to go back to what held you in bondage before. Whatever held you in bondage before. Because Jesus Christ, Christ, the Bible says, he came to set us free. To set you free. Not to be in bondage. We are not bondage people. We are free people. Amen? And that's what I was telling the men and kingdom men. I said, the Israelites, God sets them free in the book of Exodus. They leave. They cross the Red Sea. God's already doing miracles. I mean, nobody wakes up one day and like, oh, I walked through water. I saw fishes on each side, and I actually walked through. Nobody wakes up. God did impossible things, yet they still complained. They were free, but they were still bondaged. They were still slaves without them realizing it. They were still a slave. They were a slave to things that God had set them free from. Which leads me to my third point. It's, this, it's, it's a disciplined mind. We need to have a disciplined mind, church. Because if Satan can have your mind, he'll have your life. If you can allow the enemy to mess with your thoughts, he'll destroy you forever. And so many people that I meet, that I help, that I talk to, it goes back to sometimes this. It's their thoughts. They allow their thoughts to play a little bit too long in their mind. Without being careful, you're creating scenarios that aren't there. You're creating scenarios in your life. It's not really happening. And sometimes when you allow your thoughts to go crazy, you'll make things bigger than what they really are. And then you're upset, you're frustrated because you allowed your mind to be occupied by other things instead of the Lord. That's why Paul said we need a Christ-like mind in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. If you can put it up real quick. Look what Paul says. He says, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. You must have a Christ-like mind. You must have the mind of Christ. A Christ-like attitude is very different. It's very different. To have the mind of Christ is very different. When you, when you read the Gospels, you notice how 
Jesus, even though he was fully God, fully man, even though he was Jesus, he still had to deal with rejection and religious people trying to kill him and people trying to stone him and people trying to, trying to lie about him, put him in places and situations to see and try to get him. He still had to deal with that. And even through dealing with that, he always fought back with the word of God. He always fought back with a different kind of attitude because his mind was not on those people and what they're saying. His mind was, was on God and that God's going to deliver me and that God has the answer for the situation and that God's the one that leads me. That is why the word of God is so important to us because it allows us to put on the mind of Christ. It allows us to think like Christ, to respond like Christ, to live like Christ. It's a disciplined mind. And maybe for the longest time, some of you in this room, it's thoughts that kill you every single time. There are thoughts that are disrupting your worship. There are thoughts that are disrupting you from coming to church every Sunday. There are thoughts that that have stopped you from telling other people about God. Maybe there's thoughts that have stopped you from from believing God for bigger things, from from putting faith in God. Maybe there are thoughts that you've allowed to come into your life and rule over you. You must have the mind of Christ. If you're going to have a disciplined mind, you must have the mind of Christ. And you must have a controlled mind. What I mean controlled mind is this in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. Controlled mind is this. It says, better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. When we are out, when we do not have self-control in our mind, we do things that are reckless. A lot of times the things that we react to are things that we've allowed in our mind first, in our hearts. We do crazy stuff. You know, maybe when you get mad, you do some things that you regret. Maybe when you get mad, you say things you don't mean, but because you're so mad, you don't think about it. And you just blurt it out because you want to go cutthroat with the person you're fighting with, whether it's your spouse, a friend, whatever it is. And you know the feeling, because I think everyone in this room has done it before, where we say things we don't mean. But because we were angry in the moment, We let it rip. But to have a disciplined mind is to have self-control. And self-control is actually a product of the fruits of the Spirit. That the Holy Spirit enables us, church, to have self-control. Maybe for someone in this room, self-control is what you need to ask God for. Say, God, help me because I don't have a controlled mind. My mind makes me go haywire. I do things I don't want to do. I say things I don't want to say because I don't have self-control. I've hurt people along the way. My lack of. Have a disciplined mind. Lastly, is you need a consecrated mind. A consecrated mind is this. Psalms chapter 19, verse 14. Psalms 19 verse 14 says this. It says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 
That's a consecrated mind, a mind that says, Father, may my words and in my mind and my meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, God. A heart that is consecrated for the Lord. That everything that I do in my mind, that my mind will be consecrated to God. Dedicated to the Lord. I'm going to end with this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, Paul says this. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. He uses a a sports term. He says, athletes discipline their bodies for a prize that's earthly. We see it all the time. The Olympics... Football's about to start, and, and everybody is grinding and working for a trophy that's not going to last forever. Everyone's breaking their body, lifting weights, bleed, they're doing everything. There's nothing, I'm not against sports, there's nothing wrong with sports. I grew up playing sports, so I have nothing against sports. But Paul's saying they do this for that one prize, he says. But he says, I got a disciplined body because there's something eternal that I'm waiting for. In other words, there's something more important than just earthly things. So he says, I run with, I do this with purpose. I do this with purpose so that I myself not be disqualified. I do this with purpose. Sir, church, understand me today. That discipline requires you to run with purpose. If you don't run with purpose and if you don't have, if you don't define your aim, that my aim is to please the Lord and that my aim is to be righteous before God and my, my, my greatest goal is to be in heaven with God forever and to, to make an impact on earth. If that is not your aim, then you've lost the purpose of what you are meant to do with your life. Yes, if you give your life to Jesus and you are to die today, you are going to be with him for eternity. But as long as you're here on earth, live with purpose. Live with purpose, church. Paul was an evangelist traveling all over. They say he was a missionary. He was a missionary, but really he was an evangelist. He was preaching all over and Paul understood. He said, man, if I don't discipline myself, he says, I'll be disqualified from preaching. Paul wasn't married. Paul had to deal with temptations. Paul was beaten. Paul dealt with rejection for the cause of Christ. And he had to discipline himself because if he wasn't, he understood, if I'm not careful with this, I'm going I'm to fall into temptation. I'm going to do things that I don't want to do because then if I do those things, I'm going disqualify, to disqualify the calling of God in my life. I'm going to disqualify it. So he uses that analogy, that that metaphor, whatever you want to call it. 
as an athlete. But church, I'm telling you, thank God that through him, he's given us the authority to overcome the enemy every single time. Praise God. I don't know about you, but this year I'm not going down, I'm going up. I'm walking in victory every day of my life. And that's for you today as well. But it requires discipline. Discipline. My prayer is that after today, that we would be intentional with being disciplined unto the Lord. Maybe we need to pray like David today. Say, God, show me. God, is there anything in me? Am I doing something that's displeasing you? Am I offending you? Because let me tell you something, church. I care more about offending God than offending a person here. That should be your mindset. Thank you so much for joining our service and for listening to us. We are located at 4519 East Del Mar Boulevard in Laredo, Texas. And we hope that you continue to be a part of our ICM family.